Welcome to At the Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca. I see that. <laughs> Aw, somebody left me a present. There you go. Did anybody want a bottle of water? I brought my own. <laughs> oh, all right, I'm not leaving. I'm just getting a chair. Um, I'm, I haven't tested this one yet. The last, the first service, I had a chair out, and it, like, literally almost collapsed. Everybody was... It, it's embarrassing. Oh, I sat on the chair and it was it was doing this warp thing, and everybody's like freaking out in the audience. They're just like, uh, Chris, like this chair is gonna collapse underneath you. And I'm like, does anybody know first aid? All right, just like on standby. So I haven't tested yet. We're gonna Okay. It kind of we're kind of in the same predicament. So I'm gonna keep one foot on the ground. Stabilize. We're good. It's good as long as the weight's directly down. Anybody here know first aid? Okay, cool. I'm looking for you. Awesome. Thank you. So we're going to be continuing our talk on the uh, Shadow Wars kind of series in line with that. Um, Today we're going to be doing a little bit of review, um, covering some older topics, but also kind of um, honing our skills uh, on those and kind of developing what that looks like. So everybody should be super, super familiar with this scripture by now. It's Ephesians 6, verse 12, and it says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. This is so key in core because it lets us know where our fight lies. Right? Where does our fight lie? In your neighbor? No. Right? Our struggle is with principalities and powers of darkness. So let's open up with prayer because our warfare is not carnal, right? Awesome. Lord, we thank you that your word is truth, that your word instructs us. I ask that, Lord God, that every word that I say this morning is from you and that your word goes into everybody's heart. Lord God, we're standing in this place today. Our feet are on the ground, most of them. And Lord, we just declare that this space is ours. The enemy's not allowed here. And as your word goes out, I just ask that, Father, every heart would receive. And just in the name of Jesus, too, I bind up every act of the enemy that would like to disrupt and to hamper people in this place because they're free in you, in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you haven't silenced your phone, do so now. Uh, don't turn it off if your Bible is on it and you need it. Just turn it down. If your phone rings during the service, I may be tempted to answer it for you. I am that kind of person. I have no inhibitions. I will literally just walk right out and be like, who is it? Because I'll be curious at that point. All right. So let's bring up a scripture here. 1 Thessalonians 5.23. And I'm just going to start reading it. Do you guys still practice opening up your Bibles and looking up Scripture, by the way? Or you guys just kind of depend on the screens? I'm, just, I'm not trying to say anything by it. I'm just kind of curious. Remember when we were younger and they used to have competitions? They'd say, like, shout a verse, and then whoever got to it first, like, won a prize, right? Like, okay, so it's like sword practice. Man, I miss those. 
1 Thessalonians 5.23, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray, God, your Holy Spirit, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. It has been said in this church, and we say it multiple times, but it bears repeating that you are a three-part being, and you are alive in Christ Jesus in your spirit. When Adam and Eve sinned, sin came into the world, and mankind became separated by God spiritually. Our spirit-to-spirit connection with our Creator and Heavenly Father was severed, and Christ came, and He restored that. And so when we become born again, when we accept Christ for what he did on the cross for us, we become born again. That spirit-to-spirit connection with God is firmly reestablished. And the Bible says it's a complete work. We can't add or take away from it. Christ becomes our righteousness. We are in right standing with God. But the scripture also makes it very clear that we have other facets to your being. And those facets are in a constant state of construction. We're developing those. And so we have a body, or as Pastor Travis says, our mobile RV, right? We park it here, we park it there, we park it in bed, we park it on chairs that won't hold us. And that's an aspect of our being. But we also have our soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions. And our mind, will, and emotions are where we, as Christians, struggle the most. Many Christians will sit there and go, man, how come my thought life is a wreck? Like, why, why am I just always bombarded? Why, can't I, why am I always struggling with this stuff? Am I not born again? Why does scripture say that, you know, that we're free from sin, the bondage of sin, and yet it doesn't feel that way? And it's because your mind, your will, and your emotions haven't been renewed yet. You're struggling in that area. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that today. And, but in, in, in line with that, we're going to be talking about it. I want to get your perspective in the right direction. So we're going to talk a little bit about eternity. Does anybody here know what eternity is? That's an actual open question. Just No, you, you know that. That's my daughter. She, <laughs> she, she, she's a smarty pants. She listens to me at home. Does anybody else know? A teacher's pet. Anybody else know what eternity is? No, Hunter. Okay. So... God is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, okay? So he, he, he created time. He invented time. All of creation is situated in time, right? Right now, I'm talking, it takes seconds, minutes, hours, long hours. And that's time. Time has a beginning and it has an end. It's finite. Eternity is not time. Eternity is not forever. Eternity is outside of time, Okay? So when the Bible talks about heaven and talks about our destination, eternity, and that kind of thing, it's talking about outside of time. And so while we're still inside of time, we have two warring kingdoms that are trying to prepare us for eternity. We have the kingdom of God, and we have the kingdom of the enemy. And they're both trying to prepare you for eternity. And this preparation is in the realm of the soul. Uh oh. Does that mean my battery's getting low? Okay, we'll keep going until it quits or explodes. So we have two kingdoms trying to prepare us for eternity, right? And so the kingdom of Satan attempts to prepare you for eternity through their main tool, which is fear. Fear is the kingdom of Satan's tool 
or a currency. God prepares you for eternity with love. And perfect love casts out all fear. Right? And Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. And so as Christians, as we go around the world and we experience trouble, we have an opportunity to fear. And the enemy is looking to collaborate with you to build on that platform. Does everybody make sense to everybody? Okay, good. So we have a choice in who we collaborate or partner with in our preparation for eternity. Now, you and I, we were born again. We were set aside for a purpose in this world, and that's to be salt and to be light. When we interact with people, they don't interact necessarily directly with their spirit. They interact with our soul. They're interacting with our mind. They're interacting with our heart, our personality, who you are. It's important to renew your mind and your spirit, man, because, and it's important to collaborate with the Holy Spirit so that when you're talking to people, you can be a preserving force with these, for the Lord's kingdom. But the enemy is also looking for you to, as we experience trouble, to have you collaborate with him. And we don't have to look far for trouble. The whole world is full of it. And it shouldn't be a surprise to Christians that things are evil in this world because the Bible says that they're evil because the enemy's in charge of this world right now. One day, Christ is going to come and take control and put that th- those things back to right. But for now, we're living in a world full of trouble. And so our job is to learn how to separate or to understand who are we collaborating with? Are we collaborating with the enemy or are we collaborating with the Lord? So we're in a constant state of warfare. Not every thought you have is yours. Not every, every, not every thought you have is yours. Sometimes they're, they're darts from the enemy. Other times they're inspiration from the Holy Spirit. And sometimes you just don't feel good and you're having your own thoughts. And thoughts sometimes have feelings attached to them. I love my, the example we have at Highway to Wholeness. Uh, my wife talks about how your thoughts will come partnered sometimes with emotions. And it doesn't necessarily make them true. It just means they have emotions attached to them. And so one of the things that happens to Christians over time when we're partnering too much with the enemy and fear comes in is it affects our health. Right? So who here has ever been to the doctor or talked to a friend and they're like, I went to the doctor. I just, I have all this stuff wrong with me and I don't know what it is. So I go to the doctor and the doctor says, well, you're just stressed out. You need a vacation. You need to relax a little bit. Really? That's it? Yeah. Stress start that, and stress can instigate a whole list, a whole plethora of, of diseases and, and things that are just generally wrong with you. Has anybody ever experienced that or heard that happening? Okay. Stress is free, is, comes from fear. Anxiety comes from fear. And so part of sanctifying yourself, being holy as Christ is holy, putting that effort and work in, is learning how to train your mind and condition your mind to be in the likeness of Christ. And learning to reflect and look at situations in your life like Christ does. When you manage to do that, you mitigate fear. And the enemy is always trying to to separate people and cut them out. And so we're all like sheep. We're all sheep. Sorry. We're all sheep, right? 
and we're all together in this field eating delicious grass, and it's sunny, and it's beautiful, and we're all eating grass, and then all of a sudden you experience some trouble. I'm not trying to be facetious, but you experience some trouble, and suddenly you have a thought, my grass is great, but maybe it's not as great as it could be. Maybe, maybe other grass is better. Maybe the grass that the other sheep is eating right next to me is better than the grass I'm eating. I want their grass. And then they say, no, you can't have my grass. Okay, fine. So you start feeling a little upset about that. And then you look over and you see another field. And you're like, there's no sheep in it. And you're like, I bet you that grass is great. And sometimes Christians, we have these weird thoughts where we're just kind of like, we suddenly are afraid. We're discontented. We're suddenly afraid. Maybe I'm missing out on something, right? And then we go looking on the internet. We go looking in other places we shouldn't for greener grass. And what's actually happening is the enemy is trying to get you to collaborate in fear. Fear of missing out in this case, right? Because the enemy wants to cut you out. Now, what is the enemy's objective in your life? Does anybody, does anybody remember? It's been said so many times in this church. Steal, kill, and decay. So you guys are getting this down pat. We're just going to stop preaching altogether. <laughs> okay, so steal, kill, and destroy, right? The enemy, well, that's his objective. So how does the enemy fulfill the object, that objective? I've almost laid it all out through fear. Okay, so the enemy is going, so the enemy's goal is not just to keep you in fear. That's not the enemy's goal. That's not the end game. The enemy's objective is to steal, kill, and destroy. And he uses fear as a tool to get you there. So what happens when we suddenly are afraid that God is not providing the way he promised he would? What happens when we start questioning the goodness of God? What happens when we start saying, really, God? And like Satan says, did God really say? Right? We start looking for greener grass. We start making choices based on fear rather than in love and faith. And so when a sheep leaves the herd, that sheep is now more open to attack. It's interesting. A study was done on herd mentality. So imagine you had 100 zebras in a herd, okay? They all look identical. The reason they look identical is so that predators have a hard time tracking an individual. Because track, it's, see, predators don't always look for weakness. They just try to pick one thing and then so they can coordinate attack and separate that from the herd. And it's hard to separate something that looks identical, right? So when we as sheep wander off, off to the side, we make ourselves a target for the enemy. The enemy can single us out. And then when that happens, the enemy is going to cut you down. Sorry. This is why God wants us to collaborate in love and not in fear, because fear's goal is to eventually cut you out. So you're in fear, you're stressed out, your anxiety levels are racing. What ends up happening? You get a little sick. The enemy's goal is to steal, kill, and destroy. So it's not just about fear. It's about the enemy wanting to condition you for eternity and change your state. It wants to make you ineffective for the kingdom of God. So how do we recognize an injected thought or a thought that is not fit for the kingdom of God? Well, for that, we're going to go to Philippians 4, verse 8. This is called discernment. The ability to say, 
where a thought came from. Now, we have a kind of a cheat sheet, make it easy for you. There's only three options for thought source. It's either from you, it's from the Lord, it's from the enemy, right? So let's read this. You should all be familiar with this. Uh Uh-oh, it's turned down, but I hear it. It's not enough. It's okay, I can't tell where it came from, you're safe. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, just, pure, lovely, good report, if there's any virtue, if there's any praise, think on these things. So when you have thoughts and the thoughts conflict with this scripture verse, all you have to do is take that thought captive. And that looks like this. Hey, hold on a second. You don't line up with this. You've just practiced discernment. Well done, right? And then when you identify a thought like this, you just simply dismiss it. And you say, I'm not going to think about this because this does not fit with the word of God. This whole process is called renewing your mind. Has anybody read that in scripture? Renew your mind by the, by the reading of the word, right? Okay. So even though Christ has saved you and you're right, his righteousness is yours, your soul needs renewing. And this is where your struggle is. This is where the enemy cuts you out. When you don't make a concerted effort to renew your soul, your mind, will, and your emotions, to line up with the word of God, it provides an opportunity for the enemy to single you out and get you to move away so that you're open to attack, okay? And so when you discover that you're entertaining thoughts and things that are not agreeable to the Lord, things that are not right, there's a tool for that. Jesus said that if you even look, if a man even looks with lust, he has committed adultery in his, in his heart already. Thoughts can be sinful when we choose to entertain them. If we believe a lie and we allow it to fester and reside in our soul, it's sin. Okay? Repentance is the tool for this. Acts 8, verse 22. Now, this situation we find this verse in, you'll remember, is Simon the sorcerer has just approached the disciples and said, hey, I want to buy the Holy Spirit. And the Holy, and disciples are like, are you nuts? You can't buy the Holy Spirit with money. Clearly, your heart is in the right place. And so verse 22 says, repent, therefore, of this thy wickedness. And pray, God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven thee. The thought of your heart, a.k.a. the soul. So it's not just a problem to think about or to allow your mind to dwell on things that belong to the enemy's kingdom, things that are the troubles of this world. It's not just a problem because the enemy is trying to position you to take you out and to bring division to your family and destroy, steal, kill, and destroy, it's also a matter of rebellion against God. When we allow the enemy's thoughts to take precedence in our life, we essentially collaborate with the enemy instead of God, who set us free and saved us. And that's sinful. And God has provided us repentance to deal with that. And again, in verse 22, repent therefore of this thy wickedness. Sometimes Christians associate repentance as being a dirty thing. 
they look at repentance and they're like, oh, I got to do that again. I, I'm, and it's because when you repent, I think it's because when you repent, it's because you're repenting of sin, right? And so you get a general consensus or feeling that, oh, I got to repent again. And we treat repentance almost like a burden or like something that is like dirty or like, oh, the reason I have to repent is because I'm a bad person and I failed again. Right, but repentance is actually a joy. Revelation three nineteen says, "As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent." The reason that you repent is because God loves you. God loves you and gave you this tool called repentance, and it very effectively deals with the enemy. Very effectively, repentance is awesome. You can't go to God too much and repent. God isn't sitting in heaven watching you repent going, 10th time this week. Okay. He doesn't remember the last time because when you repent, he forgets. God casts your sin into the sea of forgetfulness and he forgets them perfectly. He isn't sitting in heaven going, ah, again, Chris, really? Can you just get this right? Maybe I'm tired of coming here. Aren't you tired? Like God's not thinking that. He loves you. When you repent, he's doing this. Oh, I love you. That's great, right? The enemy wants to convince you that that's a dirty thing. And so if you're thinking, I want to repent or I need to repent of something and you feel hesitant, like, oh, I can't do it. or That is the fear of rejection, the enemy is saying to you, essentially, God's going to reject you if you keep asking for forgiveness on this issue. That's fear. And that's not love. So finally, after you repent, the next step we want to do as a basic is we want to renounce that thing. We want to renounce it. So renouncing simply means disassociation and turning away, right? So imagine that you had a friend that you shouldn't have or associate with, and that friend is a bad influence. And like every time you're with that friend, you are doing and engaged in stuff that you shouldn't be, right? And so you repent of the stuff all the time that you do every day, but there's, you gotta get to the point where you're just gonna renounce your relationship with that friend. You just gotta come to that place where you're like, you know what, I'm just gonna separate myself from this thing, and I'm gonna choose to renounce it, meaning I'm not going to provide an opportunity for this in my life as easily. Right? So when we repent, we ask for forgiveness. When we renounce, we make deliberate actions to remove the thing from us. And we say, Lord, I'm renouncing this by way of this. And then we take action. Okay, And then we have to change how we think about the thing. When we are talking about thought life and sin and that kind of thing, taking every thought captive... The reason our soul is struggling is because a lot of the time, a certain thought pattern in our life reemerges and reoccurs, and then we repent again. And so there's a concept where we have to renew our mind. Ephesians 4.23 says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. In the spirit of your mind, that's your soul. Now, in our wonderful country of Canada, we have a range of highways, they're everywhere, and they're always being rebuilt. You know, you can't go very far without seeing some kind of road work because they need maintenance. 
And sometimes, depending on how long you have struggled with a certain thought pattern in your life, thoughts of anxiety, thoughts of stress, thoughts of fear about one thing or the other, depending on how long that's been going on, sometimes it's not as easy a matter of just turning that off as you know. And I'm not standing up here saying that it's as easy as just repenting, renouncing, and moving on with your, with your life. Sometimes it take, you got to put the work in. So Four-lane highway that goes from, like, say, for example, Trenton here to Kingston could take years to build, years and years. It's a four-lane highway. But once it's built, traffic flows really well. And in our life, in our minds, we take a lot of time sometimes to build superhighways in our minds for thoughts and thought patterns that are not glorifying to God, that are rooted in fear. And it's really easy, once you start out on that line of process, you just close your eyes and, and drive. Like, how many people here, I'll put my hand up, I'll admit it, driving, sometimes you're driving and you're just like, all of a sudden you're like, whoa, I just went from Napanee to Kingston, I don't remember it, okay? All right, so it's, sometimes it's really easy in your mind too, in the same way, just to kind of like go down your old thought patterns that aren't glorifying to God and just suddenly you come to and you're like, whoa, I don't remember getting here. It's okay. There's repentance for that. Okay? And so sometimes it takes, it takes time to build a new highway in your mind that lines up with the word of God. Renewing your mind takes work and that's okay. The Lord's worthy of that. The struggle is worthy. We don't fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness in high places. When you change the way you think, when you build new ways of thinking that are based in the word of God, you are engaging in spiritual warfare with the enemy. And when you successfully do that, you become a person that when you encounter other people with similar needs in their lives, where they need the Lord, they can perceive they perceive through your soul the presence and renewed truth of God. And you are able to successfully be salt and light in a dark world. Does that make sense to you? Okay. So build your highway. And we're going to close out this service. And they're going to come up and do one of our worship songs we this morning about love and building your life up a little bit. But as we do that, if there's anybody that just is, finds like they're really struggling with their, th their thoughts and they're just like, man, it's the same trick, the same trap. The Lord, keep, you know, like I just, I just keep wandering away. In my heart, I keep questioning the goodness of God. The enemy just is able to convince me of this lie in my life. And it's like, if you're finding that, it's just, you just need to take the time to repent. God is happy about that, okay? It's not dirty, Repentance is an incredible tool that he's given us because it's rooted in love, right? As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. So repentance is rooted in love. It's okay. Come on up. I'm not going to interrupt. So, and, be, and when you are finding that you're having a certain struggle in something, take the time to research the word of God for scripture that pertains directly to that issue that you're trying to work through. What does the word of God have to say about this thing that keeps trapping me in my mind? How does the enemy do this? And then meditate on those scriptures and therefore build your new highway. And it could take time and it takes work, but it's worth it. It's really worth it. Freedom in the Lord, freedom in Christ is worth it. Okay, put in the work. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed our message. 
If you are in the Quinty West area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning at 24 Dundas Street West, Trenton, Ontario. Check out our service times on our website at atthecrossroads.ca.